I have nothing more. But enough with these flyweight topics, though. Yes. Let's get to the meat and potatoes. Let's get to the spikes that everybody wants to see. Because now we're going to talk about the sixth part that's going to take place as part of Bellator 237. And Deep, are you still with us? I am definitely with us. Okay. Then in that case, let's go and let's get the main card started by talking about the fight that's going to open up the show, possibly. To catch weight at 173 pounds, which is roughly around 71 kilos. Michael Venom Page versus the animal Shinzo Ansai. Yeah. Michael the Venom Page. He's 32 years old. Born Michael Jerome Reese Page. April 7, 1987. St. Mary's Hospital, London, England, United Kingdom. 6 feet 3, 170 pounds. 190, 191 centimeters. 77 kilos or 12 stone in the UK. With a 79-inch reach. He is a fifth-degree black belt in kickboxing. He holds a professional boxing record of two wins with two knockouts, opposite no defeats. A mixed martial arts, a kickboxing record of one win, one knockout, no defeats. And an MMA record of 16 wins, 10 of which by way of knockout, three via submission, Three decisions and one loss via knockout. He currently riding probably the best run of his career. He's a former ISKA World Martial Arts U.S. Open gold medalist. He is a two-time World Kickboxing Association medalist. Gold in the 2009 World Combat, World Semi-Contact Championships. You know what? Fuck all talking about his kickboxing accomplishments. Obviously, we want to talk about his MMA accomplishments. He's tied for the most stoppage victories in Bellator history with nine in the welterweight division. He's probably one of the most violent fighters of this or any decade that's ever stepped foot in a cage. And aside from the three fights, actually aside from the four fights he's had outside of Bellator, two of which were in the Super Fight League, he is 12 and 1. 12 and 1 inside the Bellator cage. So yeah, he ain't nothing to fuck with. Hmm. For obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. His opponents, on the other hand, He's probably going to have a hard time. Well, actually, his opponent, on the other hand, is going to have a hard time trying to deal with Mr. Moshinzo Ansai. Born December 1st, 1985 in Saitama, Japan. He born in Saitama, Japan on December 1st, 1985. He's from Tokyo. Toshima, Tokyo, Japan, to be more specific. He's 5 feet 7 inches tall, 170 centimeters. He weighs in at 78 kilos or 171 pounds, 
12 stone, three pounds in the UK. He represents Team Climb. He's been fighting since 2009. He has a professional MMA record of 11 wins and three losses, with seven of those 11 wins by way of knockout. He is, if I can go ahead and dig back to this little post that I had of him, because I know that people are basically saying, oh, you know, this man's a bum. He fought in the UFC. He lost so much, blah, 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 and all that shit. Basically, they're saying that he sucks, which is just a crying fucking shame because it's not like, it's not like they can last like 10 seconds in the ring with this guy or in the cage. <laughs> but still. But still, as we see here, and I'm reading off what Verizon FF English has. I'm sorry for taking your gig, Andrew. But no, that's fine. Michael Page takes on Japanese wrestler Shinzo Ansai on the Bellator Japan main card. Ansai brings a solid wrestling background to his fight style and will be a threat to Venom Page if the fight goes to the ground. However, Page has successfully dismantled the majority of his opponents with style. And of course, MVP has an 81% finishing rate. Ansai has a 64% finishing rate. But still, point of the matter is... While people are basically writing off Shindo Ansai as a jobber, and I'm trying to search, I mean, while people are writing off Shindo Ansai as a jobber, people should know that he's a 2005 All Japan Junior Olympic Cup wrestling champ. Well, wrestling participants, second place winner, 2008 All Japan Combat Wrestling Champion at 80 kilos. A two-time Abu Dhabi Combat Club Asian Trials winner, 99 kilos in 2011, 88 kilos in 2013, and he is the former middleweight king of Pancrase champion. Something that, unfortunately for Michael Vittle Page, he hasn't yet aspired to be yet. He hasn't became champion yet. So yeah, I have he, to met fist, he met the fist of Douglas Lima. Oh yeah, of course he did. Denied, request mm. denied. He's gonna have to. He's gonna have to well, be better than he is. Before we get into uh, predictions, and Teep, you're well, the one who. Before, can... we get in, before we get into yeah. predictions, I just wanted to let y'all know sure. that ninety-five percent overwhelming support from Top Fuller's that people are thinking that MVP should win this fight. Yeah. But do you think that people should not discredit the man? I mean, should not discredit Shinzo Ansai because he is going to be bringing in something for this fight. Yeah. They shouldn't discredit him, but there are a lot of just keyboard warriors. You don't, they don't even know what a gym smells like. <laughs> like, they don't know. You know, they, they, they're like, you know, it's, it's not everyone. Because there are people who train their asses off and they blow off steam by trolling people online. I know some guys like that. They, they're edgy online. You got motherfucker. You don't fight, but they actually fight. Like they literally compete. They just enjoy it. Most people, though, on like on Twitter and stuff, they're talking mad shit. That's their thing. Is talking mad shit, not going and grinding it out. Because the more you grind at the gym, the more you see 
how people put work in, even amateurs, well, even even being a fucking competing athlete at all, because there are guys who train and maybe not even spar, then there's guys who spar, then there's the amateurs, then there's the pros. Even before we talk about successful or not, it takes a giant set of balls or or figuratively, not literally, because the women fighting too, but it takes some guts to get in there. Team. A lot of people just don't, so it's easy to call people a can. Mm. Like, it's a can. It's like, dude, that guy would make you call him well, anything he asked you to in a minute. Team, I want to, that's something, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I really want to get into that discussion because whenever MVP has a fight, it's always bringing, brought up that he's fighting cans. So, uh, a few of the people who's fought in Bellator, you know, Evangelista uh, Cyborg Santos, uh, Dave Rickles, uh, Paul Daly, um... Those are the names I could get. I'm just uh, getting off the top of my head. I would not say that at least those three are nowhere near cans, and he dominated all three of them uh, in their fights. No, I mean part part of the thing is like people want to be over extreme because he's antagonistic, so they try to like dial it up, but then they they rob their own validity. So like there are observations people could make. Like like Fernando Gonzalez was on a win streak, right? He, he got a win over Brennan Ward, who was actually a middleweight tournament winner for Bellator. Fighting, moved down to welterweight. I hear he's coming back. But Gonzalez was a tough test stylistically. And he kickboxed Paul Daly at Dynamite and did not die. Daly has mostly finishes in kickboxing. He went the distance. He lost. But, you know, so you knew he could strike, but he didn't get any credit. People just used him to attack MVP as though beating a guy on a win streak who, who's wrestles. I think he trains with Hendo. I mean, he's a legit guy. Not top of the top of the cream of creme de creme, but a serious dude. Rickles, you could say he moved up. He's optimal at lightweight, but he, he is at welterweight. He had win, wins at welterweight, not a can, 8-1 amateur, 19-4 pro at the time, not a fuck, or 18-4, not a fucking can, not even by any, if he's a can, 400 people in the UFC roster are cans. That's what, you know, and this guy here, if he's a can, I mean, we know Paul Daly isn't a can because he knocked the shit out of Lorenz Larkin, who even like the UFC fanboys, might remember he was like the number seven welterweight there. Yeah. Four and one at welterweight. They had him ranked at number seven. Now if their rankings are bullshit all the time or none of the time, if if we're just consistent, they were saying he was a top welterweight out of however how many guys they have? Ninety, a hundred? He was in that top ten, eight, seventh percentile. And Daly fucked him up. So if you're if you're MVP and you make Daly wrestle to avoid standing with you, you're a special guy. Because you don't you don't just go knock out Lorenz Larkin on the feet. Generally, guys don't want to just fight with Lorenz Larkin on the feet, unless you like Douglas Lima, because it's a, it's not a good way to go. You try and wrestle the guy, maybe, but and also but anyway, going back to this guy. Sorry, go, UFC, go, go ahead. He won, and he won in the UFC. So if he's a can crusher, or if he's a can, what about the two guys he beat? And the guys who beat him, they're just can crushing. So it's like everyone starts to suck very quickly if everyone's got to be a can, especially guys with winning records or guys who aren't like losing a bunch of fights in a row. Now my under guy on a win streak, that's not a can. I did not Bullshit. see the full Lima MVP fight, but my understanding is that MVP in the first round did pretty well against Lima. Uh, can you confirm or deny? Yeah, it's on YouTube. You gotta watch it. They put it up for free. They've been all Bellator have been awesome about putting free fights on YouTube as well as like the region restricted shit on the website. But anyway, the first round, the striking was competitive. Lima took him down, but couldn't do any damage. He just held his wrist and he. Lima couldn't get anything going, which I was surprised. I was like, I thought Lima would slice through him if they went to the ground. But uh, MVP kept it neutral. In round two, MVP wobbled Lima, went for a flying knee, 
And then, and then to try and get the finishing punch, he was like tempting him with a low kick. That's when Lima landed the kick, and because he had his guard up, MVP's punch bounced off his. I mean, it was like a fraction of a second difference, and that was a knockout punch. It was that close. I mean, it came down to like half. It was like the the, the you, if you watch the fight on quarter speed, it's, it's amazing how close that was. But then he got knocked out trying to get up. But um. So, it was competitive. The stand-up was competitive. No one wants to stand with MVP lightly. You know what I mean? No one does that lightly. And Lima said it afterwards. I was wobbled. Well, no one's fucking outstruck Douglas Lima in 10 years. So mm-hmm. if Lima's saying, hey, that guy, I couldn't even see it coming. It was so fast. That's the credit you want. The top welterweight in the world's giving you props. Even when he beat you, you're legit. So, so. I, I, I went on Twitter to ask people... Why does MVP get a lot of hate? I told everybody, be nice. I just want to hear your thoughts and opinions. You chimed in, but also other people chimed in. And the, what I've been, what it seems to be is that the anger seems to be misdirected. If anything, anger should be directed at Bellator. With the, with the, what you, and you saw the comments as well. What, I was, what people were saying were, oh, it's because Bellator promotes him as one of the best welterweights in the world, but he fights people that are not on his level. So I don't see that as being MVP's fault at all. If you have to blame anybody, it would be Bellator to put to put that blame on. As far as I know, MVP just gets offered a fight and he says yes to it. Um, I know he was supposed to have the Derek Anderson fight, but uh, apparently Derek Anderson got injured. Um, so that's why they twice. had to fight. Yeah, and that fight got pulled twice. Gonzalez fight, I think, got pulled twice before they finally got it booked. And then, they get and, that- and then MVP had an injury. It was, it's been a bit of a mess, but... All those complaints had to end when he fought Daly, because until then, a lot of these people were saying he would never fight Daly. He'd fake an injury, this and that. Then he fought him, and Daly did the only time I've ever seen Daly be like, I'm a wrestle now. Because, he, you know, he saw his advantage there, but, yo, the little bit of standing they had, uh, I, I saw it live. And although it was a horrible fight, let me tell you, I've never seen anyone for their size move in a, in a cage or a ring like, like MVP. It's mm-hmm. actually crazy. To see it live, you just be like, God damn. So I see people spying. You know, it's further away because I'm in the nosebleeds. some poor. But, mm-hmm. but, you know, I see people sparring. I see some talented guys. There was actually a there was a, a boxing world champion in the gym yesterday doing his little thing training. He wasn't sparring. But, you know, I've seen high-level guys move around and stuff. But I've never seen anyone, like, cover ground like that. It's freakish. And Daly wasn't going to do it. He, he spent a round trying to get his timing back and away. And then he just wrestled for four rounds, and uh, I, I, you know, I'm glad. Sorry, go ahead. It's crazy. I think I think I'm the- just gonna say I was just gonna say MVP is so good that people are like well he needs to fight the very 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 best in the world, but they don't want to give him credit for being so good that only maybe five or six guys in the world or ten guys in the world could even hope to beat him. You know what I mean? Like that's a pretty high bar if you can be considered so good that anyone who isn't a top ten on the planet is a is a can mm-hmm. or is a, is a is a scrub or just a, a a gimme fight because even very good fighters it in throughout history you don't treat like even top like top 20 guys in the world across all the orgs listen they're not a joke uh, uh, there are, uh, there's over a thousand welterweights of uh, pro in the world you know if you're in the if you're the top even 30 guys in there as far as the sporting sense that's a serious serious thing I think a lot of the hate towards MVP is very misdirected. What I like to see, I do think he should, you know, especially, you know, he's getting older, you know, and, you know, depending on how this fight goes, I think he should definitely, you know, either go for that rematch against Lima 
Or, you know, try to fight, you know, a guy, you know, maybe Neiman Gracie or Ed Roof at some point. Um, he, doesn't deserve, he doesn't deserve Lima. I'm an MVP fan, but he does not deserve okay. Lima. Well, well, like Ed Roof or maybe, um, uh, who was the guy who, who fought Ed Roof recently? Was it Claxton, I believe? I think it was Tylen Claxton. No, no, Claxton's down in featherweight. No, Roof fought no. Um, uh, Jason Jackson. That Jason Jackson. Great fight. Jason Jackson brought it to fucking Ed Roof. I was like, oh, shit. He's gonna win, but then at the he ran the last round. I'm getting my black fighters mixed up, my 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 black don't crack fighters mixed up. Um, but yeah, like a, but Jason Jackson was legit. He proved himself forced because we know how good Ed Ruth is, yeah. and we know how good Neiman Gracie was. because uh, we saw it in the Rory fight, how good he he had to be to beat Ruth. You know, so it's like over time with free agency and the prospects come up and stuff, it becomes evident the quality of the talent pool. Their welterweight division, I believe, is better than the UFC's. I think Usman or Kobe, the, the parts that I saw that fight, I was like, you guys are punching each other back and forth in the face. You can't do that with Douglas Lima. You can't do that with Koreshkov. You can't let Larkin just land flushed in your face. You can't let a lot of guys do that. They'll fuck your shit up. Like, not everyone has the... the you know, it was like a cardio battle, but no, I'm sorry. Either of those guys get destroyed by Douglas Lima, like viciously. They're going to go pit-pat, and he's going to hit him with a missile, and they can't take him down. He's too good now. He's too good to take down. Rory can't take you down. Come on now. So, you know, with, the, with this fight, no, though... Sorry, go ahead. What's that? Oh, I was going to say, with this fight, I think we... built up, brother. With this fight, you know, if MVP wins, I don't think it will stop the discussions of him beating Cans, because unfortunately, let's... Anzai is just not a no-name, and if you're not a no-name, you're considered basically non-existent or not important, uh, unfortunately, in the MMA sphere. Um, whether you're in UFC or not in UFC, to tell you the truth. Um, well, you know what's funny? You know what's really funny is that the bar is going up and up and up and up. Because now he's fighting He's fighting a guy who went 2-2 two and two in the UFC. So that's not a great record. But he won some fights in the UFC. He was UFC level by definition. Yeah. And he didn't just... He wasn't one and done. You know what I mean? So, like... Now the bar is, okay, you can be a UFC welterweight. You can be good enough to, for the UFC to sign you and promote you for four fights, and but we got to call you a can because we don't like MVP's attitude. Well, it's like, at what point does, you know, and even with Daly, it's like, yo, Daly's beaten a lot of serious dudes. He didn't leave the UFC because he sucks. He lost a number one contender fight and broke the rules, and they, they made an example of him. But he didn't, you know, he was right there. He was on the cusp. If he had beaten Koscheck, he was the he was the next guy. You know, so it's like, and, you know, it's not like he sucked since, you know, this, so looking at sort of the texture of welterweight cross-org, shit is really tasty in Belter right now. And MVP, I want to see him fight Kreshkov and Larkin and these guys. But, uh, I, I would also like to, I like to add as well, Anzai has fought at light heavyweights and lightweights and welterweights. He's fought three weight classes and yeah. has been good. Uh, and three of them. You know, he suffered a few losses, you know, in his career. But, you know, yeah, he's fought on multiple weight classes. So he's fighting a guy who's good. He's fighting a guy who's who who's good, you know. Is, is he a top 10 guy? No. But he's certainly maybe, maybe top 20, at least, uh, I would potentially. Um, but we got, we, got the, we got a pick because the, it's coming down to the wire. I think MVP wins this. I think we're going to see a classic MVP knockout. Um, I have no idea how, whether it's jumping knee or spinning roundhouse karate kick, but I think we're going to get another beautiful MVP 
walk a walk away finish. What say you, Teeth? Yeah, I believe so. I just want to mention though that one of the guys that uh, Shinzo beat, um, Luke uh, Jamu, Jamu. I'm not sure how to say his name. The Jedi, Kiwi. Uh, he's still in the UFC. He just lost to Diego Lima, to uh, Phenom's brother, but he's still there. He mm. lost to to Shinzo and then beat another guy. So like, you know, if the guy's a can, okay. So now you better start going down the list of who's still over there. Who's a fucking either a can crusher or lost to him even worse they lost to a can so anyone they beat is a can and anyone who beats him is a can crusher you know people's logic their meter is so off because they're so salty that mvp is making good money before he's fought all the top guys i will i will say this as well though i will say this also before we go to you christian i would much have rather have seen mvp with rising rules not even necessarily in the ring but just to see how he would adapt to the rising rules setting so i'm actually kind of disappointed that Shit, yeah. Uh, just like it, just would be like, okay, it would just seem in that environment. Um, Christian, yeah, it's, it's almost like it's, it's almost like the UFC. Certain athletes at their peak are going to be on pay per view. It's just a fact of life. So this Bellator, like Paramount, is going to be like, no, I'm sorry, if MVP's fighting on this big Japan card we're putting together, we're televising. He comes on the. He's a. He's an arm. And 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 his and his onslaught and his streamables and his uh, posts, his winning finishes. Always get high uh, high views on the R slash MMA website, so there are pe- people pay attention to him whether they like him or not. Um, oh, dude, his last his last knockout was one of my favorites. You know, he hits the flying knee, and then he starts. I mean, no, I'm sorry, the Keeley one where he hits the flying knee and then he's wobbling, doing the drunken thing, and then he starts starts busting some dance moves. Come on, man, you got. It doesn't even matter who he fights. Bellator kind of knows this too. So, like, when he lost to Lima, they built him back up. They had him fight Kylie because they were talking shit on Twitter. I wanted that fight. It was just a salty fight. Nothing else. Just beef. Beat his ass, right? Uh, Christian. You know, had to get the replacement. But, uh, you know, Derek Anderson would have been a good fight. It's just that, damn, that's the second time it fell through. I, I think they should just abandon it. Christian, your thoughts? Who do you think wins? <laughs> Christian? Is that Morse code? <laughs> Christian, I hope we didn't lose you, brother. I talked so much, I blasted him off Skype. Yeah. But anyway, I'll give you my prediction. Okay, so that all that said about Shinzo's no joke, and he is a wrestler, but he's 5'7", and Venom Page is a lanky 6'3". You can't give Venom Page that kind of reach advantage. I mean, Fernando Gonzalez wasn't as tall, but he's a thick guy. He's yeah. not... You know, this is going to be ugly. He's going to he's going to hit him with a missile, and it's probably going to go viral. Just that's ninety percent chance he's going to hit him with a missile round one. It's going to go viral, and uh, it'll just be another thing. And you know, people say what they say, but hopefully his next fight is against someone who's badass, a badass striker, Koreshkov, Larkin. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. absolutely. If they give him Storley, they give him Logan Storley, he's going to get wrestled. Storley is another level. So I don't think they're going to give him Logan Storley. I think it's more likely Storley gets it with another win, might get a shot at Lima himself or the winner of Ruth and Amazov. But, like, Amazov is a good, powerful – he's a 22-0 Ukrainian. He's a good, powerful offensive wrestler. It's a lot of ugly matchups for uh, Mr. Venom Page. So I think Koreshkov might be the one, the next one. That would be a beautiful fight. Mm-hmm. And do you, do you think that uh, do you think that 2020 will be the year where he'll – 
he'll take a little, I guess you could say, take more fights with those types of fighters just of that pedigree? Yeah, I do I do believe so, but it's it's hard to I with Venom Page, because they're building him like a boxer, right? When you lose or lay off, you get built up. It's like when Tyson Fury came back, right? He went from Klitschko to who were the guys he fought? Do you know offhand? Oh, oh God. I, uh, I don't, but there's a reason I don't, because he, they were to build him up. Yeah. It's not an insult to them. It's just that's what it was for. I'm sorry. Bellator is very open. Like, they don't necessarily say it like in boxing, but they do build up fights. And when you lose, like Gallagher lost... And when and when MVP lost, they build them back up in the way they best see, helping them maximize their 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 chances. And that's just how it goes. They're, they don't really hide it. It's not new for them. Also, just to mention is what you brought up, the the height disadvantage, but also the weight disadvantage, because this is me at 173 pounds. Well, I guess that MVP probably walks around at 190, maybe 200, yeah. while Anzai probably walks around. Let's see, he's fought as high as light heavyweight, but I don't know if he's even. If he even weighs that much anymore, he may have just lost all that weight at some point. So there's gonna be a there's gonna be a big size disparity between these two. Um, yeah, it's was like Larkin. Larkin fought way higher than that. Now he's all crunchy at 170, but he he didn't look like fat when he was up at light heavyweight. Christian, are you uh are you back uh are you back with us? Oh. All right, we'll have to get his prediction afterwards. So we're both picking MVP, what, first round destruction? I think so, first or second round destruction. Um, and he spent all that time, like, he's not a can, he's not a can. Yeah, he's going to get fucked up. But that is how good MVP is. But it's it's also, you know, the timing issue and stuff like that. And a lot of the best guys in the division, like, I don't see MVP as in title contention. He needs, like, one, minimum one of the top five guys, like, you know, Rory. Can you imagine MVP Rory? That would be crazy. I think that would be a great fight, or him versus Neiman Gracie. I know Neiman is already having a fight, but just it will be. I just I'm I'm curious about the style. With him, it's like the stylistic matchups are what oh I find very very um, juicy and tasty as they yeah, say. Yeah, it was it was encouraging that he was able to. I mean, Daly has so much experience and was able to neutralize him, but like he shut Lima down. I was surprised. I think it was like from the open guard or something too. He just had his wrists. He was just like, nope, because he's got these giant like long lever levers for arms. So uh, that gave me hope with some of the wrestlers that maybe he could just do damage until it goes to the ground, and then if nothing else, hold it for a stand up or something like that, you know. But um, he's got some submissions, but he's not like it's not his specialty. He doesn't have the build either and the guys like Storley you're not going to just be a better wrestler than Storley because you started studying in your 30s or your 20s yeah. it doesn't work that way of course of course well unfortunately Ed Ruth Ed Ruth punches and kicks but he was a three-time national champion division one that's insane gotcha gotcha I mean yeah you know we'll hear what Christian has to say when he gets back uh until then I will take over um to and explain the Next the next fight is coming up, and this will be a lightweight, uh, a very, if you want to talk about Clash of Styles, a very interesting Clash of Styles between the Detroit superstar, Darren Cruikshank, and Bellator fighter, Goiti Yamauchi. I guess you could, we could call this the official, maybe the first official Ryzen versus Bellator match um, on either card. And uh, the particulars, Darren Cruikshank, 22-12. and 12, uh, one no contest. Uh, currently on a losing streak of two losses, fighting out of Michigan top team. 
those two losses actually coming in Ryzen. First to Damian Brown by guillotine choke, and then to Tofik Musayev by decision. Um, his other fights in Ryzen, uh, he has a total Ryzen record of, give me a second, one, two, three, four, five, six, six and four in Ryzen. Um, former UFC fighter as well. Uh, 5'8", uh, 155 pounds, 154 pounds, excuse me, uh, with a reach of 72 inches, 34 years old. Uh, and his opponent is Goiti Yamauchi, who is both Japanese and Brazilian, but currently, he was born in Japan, Anjo Aichi, but now lives in Curitiba, Brazil, where he trains with the Yamauchi team. Um, obviously that is his team. Um, he is known as a submission master with the most submission wins in Bellator history, which he got after submitting the assassin Saad Awad, uh, back in October with a arm bar at Bellator 229. Uh, he has 24 wins, four losses, has never been finished in an MMA match. He is lost by only unanimous decision. And... Most of his wins come by some sort of submission, uh, mostly by rear naked choke. Uh, and if you want to talk about a stylistic matchup, I think this one is certainly is a great case to make because obviously Darren Cruikshank is a striker. He is known for knocking people out, while Yamauchi is known for submitting people as soon as it goes down to the ground or as soon as you... Let your guard up for one quick second. Uh, and will you? Uh, I'm going to read what Ryzen uh, said here. Uh, Goiti Yamauchi has superb grappling skills that will be a huge threat to Crookshank every time the fight hit the mat. Uh, Darren wants to keep the fight standing, but Goiti is no stronger uh, to striking as well. Look for world-class technique and execution for both fighters. And um, uh, Yamauchi has a finishing rate of 83%. And while Crookshank has a finishing uh, uh, rate of 71%. Um, now, this will also, again, this will be also taking place in, with the uh, unified rules, uh, which Yamauchi is obviously used to, and indicate as well, while Crookshank has been also has been fighting recently under rising rules where they allow soccer kicks and needs to ground an opponent uh, and in a ring. So, you know. I think that Crookshank will have a disadvantage in this fight as well because, you know, say Goiti tries to bring it to the ground, Crookshank can just smash him with his foot if he wanted to, but he will not obviously be able to do that in this match. So, with that said, Teep, uh, I want to ask you, who do you, what are your thoughts on this match, and who do you think comes out the winner? Yamauchi. Um, Crookshank is awesome, fun to watch, especially in the ring. Rising rules seem perfect for him. But, uh... It's, you know, Yamauchi's got 19 submissions in his career. He's, set, he's the leader in Bellator history. I think seven, seven or eight, something like that. He set the record, right? So he's yeah. And uh, he's going to just take him down and submit him. He's got good stand-up. His fight with uh, Weichel, who's in the Grand Prix, fight rematching Sanchez, uh, which is a fucking killer fight. Weichel was like, for the, for the recent years, Weichel for a long time was like the number two 
featherweight to Patricio Pitbull's number one. You know, he lost to him, won a bunch. He won a bunch of fights, lost to him, won a bunch of fights, lost to him again. You know, he's and uh, Yamauchi had a good fight with him on the feet. As, you know, so I, I but I do think if it stays standing, Crookshank is great that way. But uh, it's not going to stay standing. Round late round one submission. Uh, well, here's the thing as well. Darren Krupchak lost uh, his uh, loss of fighting Ryzen when he tried to bring it to the ground, when he tried to uh, take down Damian Brown, but then uh, got choked out as a result of that uh, attempt at a takedown. Do you think that you think that Krupchak's going to try to avoid something similar, or do you think that Krupchak's going to want to... You say it's going to go down to the ground. How do you think this fight will go down to the ground? you think Yamauchi will bring it to the ground, or do you think that... Yama, uh, uh, do you think that? Yeah, do you think Yamauchi is going to try to bait him into coming to the ground, or do you think? How do you think it gets to the grounds in Yamauchi's favor? How he gets there? Yeah. Oh, I think he'll, I think he'll, he'll probably like uh, maybe like some sort of trip off of a, a caught kick, body kick. I, I feel like Crookshank is is he's got good kicks. He's going to use them. Yamauchi's going to be waiting for him, catch and counter, or catch and trip. Some sort of throw. I mean, something something along those lines. But it might just be a good old power double. It's in a cage, right? So just power double into the cage. And however it spills out, he's got the advantage once it hits the ground. No disrespect to Krukshanko, who I who I really enjoyed in Ryzen. Win or lose. His fight with, um, what was it, Yachi? That was a good fight. That was a good bang fest. He just came out on the wrong end, you know. He, he didn't wear the porn stash for that one. He had, like, the hobo beard thing going on. And yeah. I don't know if that brought him bad luck, but that was a good, that was a good fight. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. And, like, the fan in me, the fight fan in me, would love to see him just kick Yamuchi right in the head because I like striking. But, uh, no, I don't think so. Also, I I have to agree. Um, well, let's see. Christian, are you back? Oh, no, he's not. So what I have to say uh, with this is, yeah, I, I think, like, yeah, Yam- well, here's the thing as well. Most of uh, Crookshank's losses have been by submission, seven of them. And most of them have been by rear naked choke or some sort of uh, or, or guillotine choke. And the rear naked choke is Yamauchi's specialty. Um, I think that Yamauchi's going to uh, this fight will go down to the ground somehow. And I think that get- Darren Crookshank's going to be choked out. Um, first round, I, I think that's a pretty safe conclusion, you know, I I'd say like ninety percent chance probably, and the other ten percent is Crookshank kicking him in the head. Yeah, I but I, th- I think th- I I will assume that Yamauchi will be smart enough not to allow that to happen. Um, he's gonna he's gonna know that's where he's he's gonna try to like keep distance. Maybe if he tries to go for a kick, you know, grab the leg and do a takedown, maybe something like that. But I think he's gonna not try to strike at all with Crookshank. I at least I hope he doesn't because that'll be the wrong game plan to have uh, with this match. Um, yeah, he's good. He's good on the feet, though. He's not. He's excellent on the ground, but he is good on the feet. Because if he wasn't, Weishel would have jacked him up quick. Like, because Weishel is very good on the feet. Very uh, technical. Great angles. You know, good jab. Like, he's got everything well balanced. So, uh, but I would definitely say that that Crookshank is made a uh, 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 way above Weichel's, uh stand up. I gotta say. 100%. Let's go to the next one because we pretty much know what's going to happen or think we know what's going to happen. Let's do the next one. Sure. Okay, so the next fight that we got on, on this card is going to be a women's flyweight match between Kana Watanabe versus Ilara Joanne. 
Now, the particulars about, about this particular fight is going to be very interesting. Let's start off with Kano Wanabi, who is undefeated, 8-0, fights out of Fire's Flow, uh, originally from Tokyo, Japan, 5'6", uh, 125 pounds, 31 years old, though she looks like she is much younger and she has great abs as well. Um, she has finished most of her fights, uh, but is no, is, is, has been no, she is a judo champion, uh, one of the top judo, uh, fighters in Japan, and she has shown her judo skills in almost all of her matches. Uh, like I said, undefeated, so in all of her fights in Ryzen, uh, her first fight, she has defeated Shinzuka Sugiyama twice in Ryzen, including an 11-second knockout in the first round in her second match, and most recently defeated Justina Haba by decision. Um, and her it's worth noting. It's worth noting that a lot of her record, she has a good record, and she has one draw too. But a lot of her opponents, she's only fought two experienced opponents. That's true. She beat them both, but then she's fought like three rookies. And one fighter with one and one, one was three, two and one. So it's not to diss those girls because everyone starts at some point. You know, at some point, Fedor had no fights, but uh, but yeah, her it's numerically looks better than than maybe her strength of competition. Although she's shown she can kick a lot of asses. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And now her opponent is one of the people who I thought was one of the stars of Bellator 237 when I watched that show. Ilara, uh, Arias, also known as Arya Stark, Ilara Joanne. Originally from Fortaleza, uh, Brazil, fights out of the famed Pitbull Brothers Academy, run by both Patricky and Patricio uh, uh, Pitbull, um, and she is five foot three, uh, hundred twenty-five pounds, twenty-five years old, with a sixty-four inch reach advantage. She most recently at Bellator two thirty-seven, where she made her debut for the show, uh, two thirty-one, excuse me. Um, she debuted with a winning by winning by knee bar in the second round against, uh, I guess you could call her bare knuckle st champion star Beck Rollins. Um, I think I, a lot of people predicted Beck Rollins to win that, but uh, no, Joanne with a with a very great knee bar submission win, and she has a bunch of other finishes to her record uh, by knockout or rear naked choke. Um, her, oh, and her record, also, I, her record is 9-4. Sorry, Christian, go ahead. Uh, not Christian, uh, Teep, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, seeing uh, as I mentioned it about her opponent, again, she hasn't always fought the strongest competition. Like, the win streaks, like, uh, the last three opponents, 0-3, and 4-7, and seven, back was 7-8. and eight. But, uh, like, so a little, uh, you know, she's, maybe it might even balance out. They're about the same. But she has a little bit of a deceptive record. She lost her debut. Dude. So she has... You know, so she has like a two. Wait, why has it got a nine of four, and then one of these is an amateur? Oh, that's not amateur. No, she lost her first two pro fights. So really, she's she's like nine and two in her last eleven, which is a little different from nine and four, where you like wins some, lose some. She's gotten better and better. She had a couple losses, but uh, when she broke out the laminated sheet, the hit list. Yes. That was my jam right there. That's some very pitbull. That's some pitbull flavor salt right there. They're good with that. Yeah, just a little, what everybody know about that. So she brought out a a, 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 um, a hit list, I guess you could say. A very, and she also came out, she is obviously a big Game of Thrones fan. She had a bunch of names on there that, that was crossed out, like, you know, going through the list. And uh, 
I, I'm guessing it was taken from Game of Thrones, just like the style of it and all that stuff. So she is looking to get to everybody. Uh, I guess eventually to um, McFarlane was on the, was the, like the last name on that list that she wants to cross off. Um, uh, which you know, if she wins this fight, you know it can happen. Um, just well, it's, it's not, like they've got like twenty. I don't think they quite have thirty. I think it's like about twenty five women's flyweights it's actually become it's not an old division i mean elima won her title i think like two years ago or something she, this is her fourth defense yeah it was about two years ago at penn state which i got to see live which was epic that was the night time when claxton hit that fucking knee but anyway um uh, um let's see they don't for, really for a recent division yeah it's very deep and i hope this is the one they do an eight person grand prix next year this is the one yeah. They have so many characters and they've got time between now and next whatever September to or or whenever they announce it in July to sort of figure out the top eight. But it's a great division and uh this weekend, just very briefly, this weekend's fucking killer. Because you got Lee Malay's fighting the UK's Kate Jackson. I think she trains out of Cornwall in the South. And uh and then you've got Velasquez, who I thought would get the title shot, but she's fighting Bruna Ellen, who I had Ranks number four behind Alima Lay, Velasquez, and um, Kate Jackson. So the top four are fighting each other. And then uh, then you've got Alejandra Lara is fighting. Uh, who's she fighting? Ah, oh, shoot. Just slipped my tiny brain. Well, while you're thinking about that, I, I'm just going to also, you know, they, they both, you know, gave comments about how they respect each other and they want to win. So I'm not going to really read about that. But um, yeah. I, I will say that, that, that this is also this is another Ryzen versus Bellator match with Ryzen obviously being represented by Kana, Bellator, Ilara, Joanne. Uh, now, right. with that said, um, Keep, I'm curious to know who you think wins this match and uh, yeah, and how do they how do they win? Okay, um, just briefly, it's Veda Ortega who gave, famously gave Lima absolute hell, was winning the fight from top or bottom. Until the giant elbow of doom that split her face open. Uh, so uh, she's fighting Alejandro Lara. So that there's some people to go through, but uh, beating um, Kana would would help her jump a lot of the people who are coming off of losses who don't have consecutive wins. Because I mean, this is like a good test. The, the winner of this should be a good position. I would hope whoever wins that they get an opportunity in Bellator. Uh, you know, maybe even as a as a a lease from Ryzen, you know, for for the tournament potentially if if Kana wins and keeps winning. But anyway, I'm gonna pick, I'm gonna pick Pitbull. I think Pitbull is gonna pull it off. She comes from a mean gem, full of tough people, and Pitbull brothers they got some serious people in that gem. You know, uh, Sayudo was gave a great interview. I wish he'd give more honest interviews and not drop the stupid character because he's a very thoughtful, cerebral guy, and he was talking about. Patricio and talking about training there and how much he's learned and everything and um, shown gr the greatest respect. And uh, I think the same thing for uh, Lara. She's going to come in and stomp, stomp the shit out of this girl. What do you think, though? Uh, it's, just want to read one last thing from Ryzen FF English. Lara Joanne brings a well-rounded fight style to the cage. Watanabe still leans heavily on her judo skills, been showing a dominant performance once she gets there. Will Lara be able to outstrike the judo ace or will Watanabe improve Enforce her style to Brazilian. They characterize Joanne as all-rounder. Wanabi as a grappler. Uh, finishing rate of Joanne at, at 78%, while Wanabi is at 63%. Um, 
And uh, yeah, well, I think, you know, Watanabe has been dominant in all of the matches I've seen with her. Um, she has just, she just has, has her way with her opponents. And Deep Jewels and, and Ryzen, they have been, uh, the closest one fight that she may have come, that she may not have, like, well, she has a the one draw on her record, and with the same opponent, they went to a majority decision. Uh, went to a majority decision in uh, Watanabe's favor um, when they fought again. Other than that, though, like she has been dominant in all of her fights. And while Joanne showed incredible, like that knee bar was incredible, and she has many great finishes to her record. You know, I have to go with Watanabe on this. I think that Watanabe is just going to once again have dominance in, in, a, in this fight. She's going to use her judo to negate anything that, that, that Joanne tries to do. And if Joanne tries to clinch, that's going to be the biggest mistake that she can possibly make. If Joanne wants to win this, she's going to have to... I don't even know if she even can win on the ground, to tell you the truth. Uh, Imanari roll into a leg lock. Oh, there possibly. Possibly, yeah. You know, I think if anything, you know... If Joanne, uh, Joanne can win this on the feet, it would suck to well, see. She's her... gonna fight rules too, so she can she can do a roll or a butt scoot. She can, yeah. there's stuff she can do that you wouldn't want to do under rising yeah. rules where you can get kneed in the face. I you know it would ground. suck to see Joanne uh, lose because clearly you know there's a great story of her crossing off these names all off her list so that she can eventually get to McFarlane, which would make a great it would be a great story. It'd be like the uh, the um, Beth Cohea. Going up, uh, being all Ronda Rousey's friends, and eventually facing Ronda Rousey in Brazil. It's why it's just one of those things. It's hey, like, um, yeah. Incidentally, I my prediction is that so the winner of Jackson and Lima is going to fight the winner, whoever looks best of the two winners between you know Velasquez Allen and then uh, Lara uh, Ortega. And I believe that the winner of this fight, because there's no rise until what April. I believe the winner of this fight is going to be offered a fight with whoever won but didn't get a title shot. That's my prediction. That's and that would be a great way to book the division. Because a lot of the other girls in the division are either coming off losses or they're they're relatively new. They're not ready yet. I, so, you know, if, if, if McFarlane does win her next match, and then, I, I you know, oh, I, oh God, like, well, well I'll, I can, you know, that fight's this week. We can definitely talk about it that more after this fight happens and then that fight happens because then we can predict more, you know. Oh, you know, Joanne wins. Who are we gonna who this, can she beat McFarlane or something? I think we I'll go into more predictions about that, uh, when these fights happen. But yeah. as of now but just incidentally, I just want I just wanna mention yeah. that also happened that Penn State card where she won the inaugural title. I got to see that live. Yeah. Sweet uh, but I think this will be. A, uh, hopefully, this will be a great fight. Hopefully, we'll get to see some uh, great, some great violence, grappling, whatever, from the two flyweight ladies. Um, with that, we're gonna move on to the the last welterweight match uh, on this card, and it's between Kita Keitaro Nakamura versus Lorenz Larkin. Now, in particular about these two. Fires. Let's start with Kita Nakamura, former UFC fighter, 35, 10, and 2, won no contest. Trains out of the Keitaro Dojo, is the husband of Shinzuki Sugiyama, who we just talked about. Shizuka Sugiyama, excuse me, who uh, 
was defeated by Kana Wanabe twice. He's originally from Katsuhika-ku, Tokyo, Japan, and fights out of Tokyo, Japan still. Uh, 35 years old, currently on a one-fight winning streak where he defeated Marcos Yoshio de Souza at Ryzen 19 in the first round by knockout. And it was a very brutal finish. Um, other than that, he has wins over Kyle Noak, Jiang uh, uh, Liang Li from UFC, uh, Yuta Watanabe, uh, and I'm just going through the record. Uh, yeah, those are his basically his biggest wins. He's fought, he's fought out of, as we said, UFC, actually UFC twice, um, uh, where, uh, and Fight It Out of Dream, Cage Force, Sengoku, Shuto, VTJ, uh, and it's been around for a long last time, basically. Um, right, his most recent, you say he's had two runs in the UFC? Yes. Yeah, because he, he was 4-4, four four. he alternated wins and losses. Yeah. Four cycles in his last, in his last run, so he was able to beat, um, some guys, he lost some guys, I mean, he's solid, I don't know if, I don't like his chances against Larkin, as, just based on who he's beat or lost to, but, uh, you know, what do you think, what's it, how is he stylistically, would you say? Hello. Oh, Christian. Yeah. Hey, Christian. Great. Uh, I. Uh, what happened to you, buddy? I'm sorry, man. I kind of dozed off a bit, but. Sorry, but uh, before we go, before I just gave the particulars about Kita Nakamura, but before we go into that, just want to quickly get your thoughts on three fights that that uh, that uh, and I talked about: MVP, Anzai. Who do you think wins that? Most definitely, MVP's gonna win that fight. Great. That's why I figured that I kind of already put you down because I figured we we're all gonna pick MVP for that. What about Darren Cookshank versus Goiti Yamauchi? We talked with Yamauchi earlier, and since let's just say guns ain't gonna save Cookshank from that. <laughs> That's funny. And what about Kana Wanabe versus Arya Stark? Hmm. It's going to be a pretty fun fight. But I think that Watanabe is probably going... I think that Watanabe is going to dumb Arya Stark's lights. Ah, great, great. Um, in answer to your question, Teep, about stylistically... Um, it, you see, it's kind of it's they're both kind of well rounded in, in, in how they fight. Um, I would uh, let, let me just go into particulars quickly about uh lands the monsoon Larkin, uh fights out of the United States. Rigi from Riverside, California, and still trains there from the Millennial MMA team. Thirty three years old, twenty seven seven and one, no contest. Uh, and is 30, uh, 33 years old. Um, he's on a current three-fight winning streak. Two of those fights, excuse me, three of those fights are from Bellator, with the most recent one being a win over uh, Kreshkov. Um, what if, uh, uh, did you see that fight, uh, Teep? Which one? Uh, oh, Andre Kreshkov, yeah. That was a fucking great fight. That was a great fight. That's that's a f actually when they signed Larkin. That was one of the first thoughts in my head. It was like, oh shit, he's yeah. gonna get to fight Koreshkov. 
But his like Kretschkopf is like spinning shit personified. Mm-hmm. He can grapple, but he prefers and he can definitely ground and pound. I mean, he he fucking Joe Guani up, and then because on Joe Guani's a big guy and a striker, but he just took him down and just mashed his shit. But um, Kreshkov, man, he spins so beautifully. But Larkin is down with that. Uh, but also, yeah, that was a great fight. Larkin, one day. Larkin has had a long career in MMA, going fighting as far back as Strikeforce, where he was a light heavyweight, and then he went to middleweight, and then he went to welterweight, which is where he currently fights out, fight out, out of now. With and he has wins over Neil Magny, Jorge Masvidal. Uh, Chris Camozzi, Robbie Waller, John Vellante. Uh, he's been around for a long fucking time and is only 33 years old. Also, I forgot to add, he's 5'11", uh, with a reach of 72 and a half inches. Um, he also, most famously, uh, came out uh, during, I forgot which UFC show this was, but came out dressed as the Ultimate Warrior after, uh, a few days after the Ultimate Warrior died. As a tribute to the uh, to uh, the former Jim Helm Helmwig, Helwig, I should say, or Warrior, because he did change his name legally. But um, th- this is going to be a welterweight dominance match to see who is going who is going to be. I don't know if you know the winner may get the next. Have they has has Bellator decided who's going to fight um, uh, Lima next uh, team? So well, actually, I can Kurt probably Kurt. answer that for you. Go ahead, when man. it comes down to when it comes down to this fight, Lorenz Damansoon Larkin versus Keita Kaitan Nakamura. Scott Coker promised Lorenz Larkin that if he defeated Nakamura, he would be next in line for the welterweight title, and Douglas Defenam Lima. <laughs> Okay, so um, I'm gonna also read just a little bit of what Ryzen provided uh, on their uh, on the English page. Let me just get up in a second. Do, 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 do. Lorenz Larkin versus Keitaro Nakamura, striker versus grappler. Larkin has devastating striking power and is relentless when he's attacking. Nakamura needs to take the fight to the ground and try to slap on his signature rear naked choke, which is how he's won most of his submission. Fights. Will Nakamura be able to weather the monsoon or look for his opportunity to get the submission? And uh, uh, finishing rate for Larkin is 52% on leather knockouts, while Keitaro's is 69%. Eight knockouts, 16 submissions. And um, I, for this fight, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a tough fight. It might actually be Keitaro's toughest fight. could also be Lorenz Larkin's toughest fight. Since leaving, uh, since uh, since uh, he's gone on his, on his winning streak, um, recently, uh, Teep, uh, since this is a Ryzen versus Bellator match, I want to pass it off to you. Who do you think takes the W in this? So you're gonna have to refresh my memory if if I'm getting this wrong, but the the D'Souza that um, Homeslice beat down was the old D'Souza, right? Yes, older older D'Souza brother. Right, not saying oh right, and then the the young guy was in the lightweight tournament. They brothers, is that am I getting that right? Uh yes. I could be wrong. No, 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 you're correct. Okay, okay, so I would say, but I mean, looking at um, 
Nakamura, I mean, wins and losses, but some good wins and good losses. I mean, numerically, at least, as far as, like, beating guys who are able to beat most of the fighters they've, they've faced, you know what I mean, of whatever level. So, I mean, he's got he's got high-level experience. I just think that Monsoon is too much, man. I've seen him live at, uh, I think it was Bellator 207, Mohegan Sun. Looked great. Guy was trying to take him down, trying to do all kinds of stuff, but Renz, man, he's a tank at welterweight. He's a serious dude. Yeah. And he didn't die fighting Douglas Lima. You know, compared to other guys, he did better than a lot of other guys have against Lima. Um, not that he was winning, but he, he didn't, like, fall apart. Lima's a, a beast. And, uh, you know, beating Kreshkov's a big deal. Kreshkov's, I think, a two-time tournament winner. He's been the champ. And, um, yeah, I think Larkin's going to um, beat him. But it might go to the decision. Home slice looked good in his last fight. I don't know how... Of what level his opponent was at. Um, what do you guys think? Does that make any sense? Hmm. I think that made sense, but if you think about Keitar Nakamura, he did knock out Marcos Yoshio de Souza in his last fight. And de Souza, both the Souza brothers are no punk bitches, <laughs> but you have to think. Nakamura's not known for... Well, actually, what did you say, Andrew, that Nakamura's finishing ratio was? Uh, 69%, with most of them coming by rear naked choke. Oh, I see. Well, in a way, considering the fact that... Considering the fact that... Also, Larkin, by the way, sorry, Christian, just to add to that, Larkin has never been submitted. He's been knocked out twice and lost... By decision five times, but he's never been submitted. Well, I think it might be his unlucky night. Because he's going because if Larkin gets distracted off the fact that he's fighting something bigger, that is. Let's just say if Larkin fights distracted, I think Nakamura might win this. Mm. Um, also, just and want high submission too, no less. Mm. Just want to also say that uh, Nakamura, also former deep welterweight champion, and also former mm-hmm. middleweight Pasuto Pacific Rim middleweight champion at 167 pounds, because they did weights differently then. Uh, other than that, you know, I gotta say, I think that you know, here's the thing. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of Larkin. I think that Larkin's kind of just a guy in the MMA sphere. Um, he just kind of has always just floated around and really hasn't really impressed me in his entire, is in most of his career. Um, being that said, I, I think this problem, this fight could go all three rounds, but I think that Keitaro is going to come out winning in the end. Um, I don't think, I think that Larkin maybe, you know, like I said, he's fought for so long. This might, I think with his recent fights, we've seen a much more, a less dangerous Larkin than before um, since the Paul Daly fight. I think that was his last loss, I believe, Teep. Was that the last fight that he lost? Which was, say again? Was that the last fight that he lost, uh, Larkin, was against uh, Paul Daly? You know, it might be. Hold on a second. I should know this off the top of my head. I drifted off. I know he lost against Lima for the, uh, they had the Bellator. For the Bellator, uh, welterweight champion. The, the, the 
dulcet tones of your voice I just drifted off. Yeah, because he came in, he fought Lima right off. He was coming off of Mazudon Magni. Yeah. And uh, lost to Lima, lost to Daly. Yeah. Then he beat Fernando Gonzalez. Then Ian Pascal, that was the one I saw at Mohegan Sun. That was a good fight. And, and then, uh, Pascal was, I was surprised. I was like, oh shit, he brought it. I mean, he was, I think he was like 18 8 at the time, yeah, when they fought. But uh, Pascal brought it, just not enough. Then, um, and then the Koreshkov fight. The Koreshkov win, to me, is the is easily the best win he's had at um, welterweight in his career. He beat John Howard, uh, Pons, lost to Tumanov, beat Masvidal, Magni, lost to Lima Daly, beat Gonzalez, Pascal. Yeah, Kreshkov is easily his best welterweight win of his career. So for me, he, at that weight at least, he's come, He's at a high point. He's looking good. And he's still young. Like People forget, even though he's been fighting for a long time, he's 33 now. And he was in his late 20s when Bellator got him. But it's that, it's that whole talking points thing. People don't want to give credit, so they act like everyone's old when they leave the UFC. Like 28-year-old Rory or whatever was old. Mm-hmm. 29-year-old Larkin. They, they be acting like people are, oh, are done. I don't think he's old. And then, and then praising fighters who are in their mid to late 30s. They'd be like, Rory lost his soul versus Robbie. It's like Robbie's the one who hasn't looked the same. He's yeah. in his late 30s. He's the one who's in decline I... and injuries. and You know, still great, but you know what I mean? Like, Rory is 30 fucking years old. You guys are crazy. I you think, just don't appreciate who he's been fighting. I think it's more That's that Larkin has, has more numbers, has more age in fight years, potentially. Because like I said, he fought a light heavyweight and then went down weight classes uh, as his career went on, which, you know, he was fighting big guys and now he's fighting guys that are, I guess, he, he that he uh, outsizes in some ways or is the same size. Um, it's just, it's just... What he's doing, he, he did like, he did like Robbie. Robbie was up at, um, yeah. in fact, I think he beat him at middleweight. And yes. Robbie came down to welterweight and even though he might be, like, size counts, so... If guys can safely make a lower weight and their speed doesn't get all fucked up, it's easier. They're they're less dangerous people. I know this when I was sparring someone back in the day when I used to spar. Sparring someone you're ten pounds heavier than and sparring someone who is ten pounds heavier than you is a giant earth shattering difference. The jabs aren't even in the same ballpark. Just ten pounds. Yeah. You know, at least like around that weight because like out of shape, I'm close to that. You know. But uh, it's it's a huge difference. So, like, Robbie found a lot of success when he made welterweight. He was like, oh, shit. He fought some good guys, but he didn't fight big, beefy middleweights. You know, just like Rory. Look at Rory. Competitive fights, right, even when he's losing. He, Musasi schooled him because Musasi has fought all the way up to heavyweight. He's a real middleweight and capable of higher. So it's it's easier for guys to fight smaller people. And um, Larkin seems to have done really well because – you know, Daly got him, but you know, Daly is like a very special striker. That just the beautiful, you know, work that he did to, to do that in the hook, that crazy hook. But um, he looked really spry against Kreshkov, and I saw Pascal live. He looked very nimble. He looks like he's right in his prime, like probably years to go before he's out of his prime. Really does look good. But uh, not to say anything bad about his opponent. I know more about Larkin than, than the other guy. Yeah, but based on that though, you know, I still think that Keitaro is gonna win this. Um, is gonna win this fight. I think he's just gonna be the better overall. You are wrong. You are wrong. Is no, gonna, I'm just kidding. He's gonna be the over overall as the overall better fighter, and who I know. If if he wins this, you know, if if uh well, Lima wins his next, well, you know, if Keitaro wins this, do you think that he should get the next shot? Uh, with Lima. Yes, I think. 
I mean, the way I, the way I, unless someone's getting a tune-up fight, right? Like, it, it, once in a while, you get a tune-up fight, and the, the, if the wrong guy wins, they're not getting a title shot. Like, if Shlomenko had beaten Musasi, which I saw live, not to brag, but that was cool. If he had won, he might not have gotten a title shot right away. But Musasi had so much momentum, like as far as the level of opponents he beat, you know. So it's it's I don't like that. I like I like it to be like if this is a number one contender fight, it's number one contender fight for both guys. So I would hope that the winner of this fight is either offered a title shot, or if Lima pops a weight class, or if they bring in Fitch, because Fitch technically hasn't lost since 2014. You know, he took Roy, Roy to a draw draw, which is better than most guys have done. Um, I hope the winner gets a title shot. If not, if Lima does something else, the winner of this versus the winner of Ruth versus Amazov, number one contender, no doubt. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, Christian, since with your back of us, do you want to take over uh, particulars uh, for the co-main event of uh, Bellator 237? Hey, yo, yo, real quick, Andrew. <laughs> yeah. Let's do, let's do a push-up challenge on this fight, seeing as you're so sure. Oh, with Varkin and Keitaro? Okay. How, yeah, how many push-ups? Twenty-five. Like G, like G does over. Um, I forget her full screen name. You know, I mean, cool chick from uh, World TV. She, she does like a her and the Michael guy with her. They do the push-up challenge. Let's do that, and then I'll tweet them and see if they'll piggyback it. Okay. You got it. I got Larkin. You got uh, Nakamura. Twenty-five push-ups. Video evidence. And the draw, we both have to do it. <laughs> no contest draw. Gotcha. Fair enough. I wouldn't mind seeing that. But let's go ahead and get on to the co-main event before I pass out because I'm hey, getting... One last thing. No, hold on. One last thing because I want I want to up the ante here. Um, okay, so if pick a single technique. If, if that technique ends the fight, I do double. I do two sets of 25. I can't do 50 in a row, but I'll do two sets of 25 and vice versa. You know okay. what I mean? Okay, by rear naked choke. Okay. And I got Larkin by, um, I got Larkin by, I'm going to go with leg kick. I know that might be a bit counterintuitive, but I'm going to go with leg kick. And when you say leg kick, so it, it could be a head kick, it could be a body kick. Uh, oh, oh, no, 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 I mean, I mean like chopped him down. It's very unlikely, but this, I always cheer for that. Gotcha. Every, every fight. You got it. By the way, since y'all didn't mention the topology fateful numbers, I'm just going to go ahead and repeat them so that y'all kind of know what y'all expecting here. 80% saying that Goiti Yamauchi is going to defeat Darren Cruikshank. Obviously, 95% Michael Venom Page over Shinzo Ansai. 78% are saying that Kana Watanabe will defeat Ilara Joanne. I beg to differ. Even though Kana Watanabe is still going to win that fight. And 89% are saying that Lorenz Larkin are gonna, is going to defeat Keitaro Nakamura. Mm. Now let's go ahead and go to the co-main event of the evening before I end up passing out because my oxygen levels are shot to shit at the moment. <laughs> yeah, run it. You're doing great, though. Two more. Yeah, I'm doing, I'm doing fine. Just need to muscle hey. through. 
Hey, just 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 know we're two away from discussing the real fucking fight, the highlight of my year. Well, one away actually. But All right, one event, Michael Chandler, Sydney Outlaw. This fight was originally supposed to be Benson Henderson versus Michael Chandler, but Henderson got pulled out due to an injury. Uh, did we know what so injury it was? Hmm? Did we ever find out what injury it was? Uh, was it ever announced? No, but I'm willing to bet it was probably a slight leg sprain, and Vincent should be back by March or something. Gotcha, gotcha. Either way, here's the particulars. For the lights gun, Sydney Outlaw. He's 14 and 3 overall. 5'8", 156 pounds, age 27, born April 11, 1992 in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. He trains at a Enzo Gracie, Pennsylvania, fights out of Telford, Pennsylvania. And if you look at his topology listings of who he trains under, he lists the college that he went to as the school of pain. He lists Jesus Christ as his coach. And he lists win as his foundation style and life as his other coaches. <laughs> kind of a made man if there ever was one. Also, in addition to fighting out of Henzo Gracie, Pennsylvania, he fights out of Hikaru Ameda Jiu-Jitsu, Driven Gym, and the Henzo Gracie Academy. And also is uh, fighting and uh, training at ATT for this fight as well in Florida. Really? Mm -hmm. Oh, man. That's such a powerhouse gym. It's scary. Mm-hmm. So far, he's only fought twice inside the Bellator cage. A 2014 decision victory over Mike Bannon. And more recently, a decision victory over Roger Huerta, the Matador. But other than that, he's fought for Cage Fury. Island Fights is the former Ring of Combat welterweight champion. So he's one of the many fighters who have graced the cage for that promotion. And he's also fought in the WSOF and New England fights as well as the Dana White Tuesday Night Contender Series. And now for a man who needs no introduction, but we'll give it one brief to him. Iron Michael Chandler, 19-5. A native of High Ridge, Missouri. Fighting out Las Vegas, Nevada, by way of Nashville, Tennessee. He's 5'8", 154.8 pounds, with a 69-inch reach. Age 33, on April 24th, 1986. Representing the Alliance MMA, Chula Vista, California. He is currently off the back of a loss to Patricio Pitbull. So this will be his bounce-back fight. He also fights out of the Black Zillions in Boca Raton, Florida. 
recently had a three-fight winning streak snapped and also lost his Bellator lightweight title to Brent Primus. But other than that, he is a veteran of Bellator. Fought pretty much mostly for the promotion since it began. He also fought twice in strike force. So yeah, he's loyal to himself. But also, he is the winningest fighter in Bellator history. I'm just going to go ahead and say that Chandler wins this. Because the topology faithful are saying that 93% is going to see to it that Chandler wins this fight. I'm just going to say that Chandler wins this by any means necessary. Hmm. Unless y'all have it, because I really, really need to shut up well, and take an asthma treatment. Well, uh, Christian, is Black Stallion still around? I thought they closed down. Uh, it may absorb, get absorbed by hard knocks, or it might just. Continue. That's why I thought I thought that Black Zillions closed down. Was it hoofed the left Black Zillions, or, or I'm, that's I'm why I thought. Every left the Black Zillions to form Hard Knocks Three Six Five Gym, which is now separate MMA. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Um, Word. Yeah, like you know, like you said, Chandler needs no introduction. Um... Sydney Outlaw, I thought that was his. I thought that was his like fire name, Outlaw, but apparently that's his actual la- out. Uh, that's his real last name. Um, so that probably makes interesting uh, 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 situation when you sign checks. Other than that, though, um, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, Michael Chandler. I don't know what else to say. I know yeah, nobody. Nobody works harder in the gym than Michael Chandler. Maybe some guys are tied. Follow him on Instagram. I'm serious, man. The, the, his workouts, I get, like, sore and, and sorry for myself just looking at him. Like, oh, my God. No, I wouldn't. It's not worth it for me. He works so hard. But uh, this is actually, this. I mean, this is a big, big opportunity for Outlaw, though. I mean, it, it would be massive, earth-shattering if he won. Oh, if he and, won, it, w- it, would, it could be second or third... Biggest upset probably since Kai Kyoji, uh, Andy Ruiz, Joshua potentially on that level. Um, yeah. Yeah, and he's very. It's it's you know it is almost like one of those boxing fights where the, the dominant guy you're like well of course he's gonna win but the other guy isn't necessarily losing. I mean Outlaws on a on a good healthy streak and uh, he was even five and one as an amateur like he's got a good amount of experience. And he's he's pretty young, right? Twenty seven. Yeah. So, and he's coming off the win over Quercia, so we know he can fight. It went to decision. He didn't smash him, but we know he can fight because he would have lost if he couldn't fight. You know, Quercia's still good enough that if you suck, you're out of there. Yeah. You know, even if he, he's not going to beat the top top guys, but you know, there's a lot of room in between the top top guys and not being any good. So, we know we know he's good, but he's fighting Michael Chandler, and I mean. Chandler just, I thought, I, th- I actually favored Yamauchi. I thought Yamauchi was going to be the guy to be like, I can get you on the ground. Not even the case. Yeah. So I got to channel myself, but I would love to see a, an upset win here. That would be, that would be epic for the division because we already know Chandler's a killer. And if, if, if Outlaw loses here, maybe people are like, oh, he's never good. But no, he's young. He's still on his way up. The question is, is he ready for something on this level? 
Well, question question I have for you, Teep. You know, I, you know, as it was supposed to be, it was supposed to be a rematch between uh, uh, Chandler and Benson Henderson. Do you think they could have found maybe a a more highly a more high caliber opponent for Chandler instead of Outlaw? Because here's the problem: is that you know, you know, if if you think about it from Chandler's perspective, you know, he has almost nothing to gain but everything to lose from this fight. If he loses to Outlaw. That that the mark is more on him than if Outlaw loses to Chandler. Um, do, do that's, think- a, that's a good, it's a good point. But Chandler, it wasn't too long ago he signed a new contract with the company, get that money going. You know, yeah. cause he was about to be a free agent. Like a day or two before, he would have been a proper free agent. Out of his exclusive, they made a deal. They gave him enough money, put the money. I think that was before the Patricio fight. But like he's he's making money. He needs to fight. He needs to stay busy, and. Uh, you know, the thing is, Patricky Pipple's in the the lightweight Grand Prix, so he's out. Because that would be, you know, even though they fought twice, Patricky's actually the number one contender, along with Bendo. You can make an argument for Bendo now, after his last win. But, uh, so with Bendo coming out, it's kind of like, who do they do? Uh, Primus, I am sure they already had the sense to give, you know, as a, as a uh, backup in case they couldn't make Peter Quigley and Chris Bungard, which they couldn't, it turned out. So Primus, once again, on the Bellator Europe, headline which is awesome you know they liked him there uh he had a go-go on who was it wild or someone it was a cool ass kick-ass win i think it was at newcastle that was a good card or birmingham might have been birmingham but anyway this is actually a good choice for them i mean they there are other guys they could have done but maybe maybe not guy because yamuchi's on this card you know he's representing the company so i actually think it was a pleasant surprise i'll put it that way and it also means that you know, if Bendo's hurt, so maybe he fights the winner. Oh, can't, true. Can't lose, right? It just shoves it back a bit, but it's only Bendo. It's really, this is a gain for Outlaw and a, and a delay for Bendo, but it's still a win for Chandler. Win or lose, getting that money, fighting in Japan. I mean, it's, it's exposure. It's a lot of exposure for his brand. Even if he loses, he didn't lose to a scrub. He lost to a to a young badass from a top gym who's on a big streak. So it's kind of like when Gucci lost to Kai. Maybe numbnuts will be like, oh, they, they both suck. But people who know are like, holy shit, Kai beat Gucci. Hey, how about that uh, cake rematch? That was a close one. And they're actually doing it. So, I mean, it opens up a lot of stuff. It's not bad when the marquee guys lose um, if it's marketed the right way. It's a, it's a come up for the other guy. Oh, no, you're right. You're right. But it all, it's kind of like when I saw when I saw this fight was announced, when I got up whatever, whatever day it was, early morning, I had to do a double take, and I'm like, wait, what? Who? Sidney Outlaw? Because I follow Bellator, but not to the degree that you do or others do. And I didn't know who Sidney Outlaw was. I thought this was, like, some guy they just hired off, I don't want to say off the street, but just maybe some regional guy. Because I saw the name, I'm like, that can't be a real fighter. That's got to be, like, that's got to be, like, a well, fake fire name. No, well, right, because it's, it's too good to be true. But I think, um, but I think, you know, like, they had him co-main, but it was on that Israel card that was tape-delayed. So yeah. he didn't get the full shine as if, if when people discuss because the difference is, and it's a Viacom decision, but you know when they tape delay, the hardcore fans can't talk about it live. Yeah. Or if they do, they're spoiling it for some other people. There's a disincentive to just rave about it without holding back. Mm-hmm. So live events are like the pride rules of, of discussion. You don't have to hold back. Tape delay fucks stuff up. So he didn't get his full shine, but he did look pretty good, and he won. Again, and against probably his toughest opponent. You know, Huerta, it's not like Huerta's on some massive run, but he is a good fighter. He's not 
he offers a lot of resistance. It's a good sort of test for someone who's on the way up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, and, uh, Christian, I don't know if you're back with us, but if you do, are there any last things you want to say about this fight before we go on to the highly anticipated main event? Oh, Christian. Christian, I hope you didn't fall asleep because we're going to be talking about the main event, dog. Oh. He's going to have to tweet us his thoughts on the main event. If oh. he doesn't, if, well, hopefully he gets some good rest, though, if he's tired, you know. Yeah. Uh, Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it, bro. So, so you're picking Chandler? Yeah, I'm picking Chandler. You know, it would be, it's kind of like a feel-good story if uh, if Alwal wins. But, you know, if Chandler wins, he gets a, it's just another win on his record. Nothing really else that you can say about it. It's just a win in Japan. And a win, and a, a win, oh, oh, just a win. I don't know, if they had picked somebody like a Nick Newell, or AJ Ansgram, or just somebody, just, just a little bit more name value, I think I would be a little but bit AJ's more... Too AJ's way too inexperienced, he'd get destroyed, but uh, maybe someday. But yeah, I, I what about I What about a little Newell, though? You think even Nick Newell would be a... That's, I, I think that, like, at least... Well, the, thing is, the thing is, Newell just lost. And um, ah. to uh, uh, Manny Murrow, and who wasn't like particularly highly ranked. Not necessarily a bad fighter, but not highly ranked. So they're going to build him back up. This will be one of the instances where someone, like Hope said, they're going to get behind him because they like his story. They appreciate him as a martial artist. So they're not just going to be like, now fight this even more deadly guy, Michael Chandler, who might just just beat you into a living death. Yeah. It's you know, it's it's kind of it's one of those things where they're thinking about. As they're developing people's talents and the notability, they, they, they do guide them. It's just, it's just, it's like the sausage factory. You know, if you don't want, if you look close enough, you see how it works, and you know they do play favorites, but not by like tilting the playing field. Oh, you, you know they what? Play favorites by like you get built up. If you're worth a lot to them, in marketability, you get build up fights. You don't. It's not necessarily like Connor fighting Siver. For, for you know, only he can get a title shot off it. It's not like that, but necessarily. Or they should have just, you know, they could have just asked maybe uh, Aaron Pico, because Aaron Pico at this point, I think he said yes to every fight that he's that he has taken. Uh, Andrew. <laughs> ah, Christian. Are y'all officially ready to talk about the main event? Yes, we are. Absolutely. Please go ahead, Christian. We want to talk yeah, about but the main I event. Gotta, I just got to mention real quick. Oh. Pico's fighting Daniel Scary Carey, who is coming off and a comeback win over Bolanos, I believe. Gaston Bolanos, the spinning shit guy. Yeah. Mr. Spinning That's a good fight. That's a hard fight, too. It's not as hard as, like, some of the matchups. It's not, like, Corrales-level hard, but it's a hard fight. Oh, Christian. Fuck it, I'm gonna fight. Krokop, Bond, I'm gonna fight. You know, <laughs> Pedor, I'm gonna fight Bond. I'm gonna just. Holy shit. Okay. Okay. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. Because after basically going through the last 10 minutes or so, it's a reminder to me that we shouldn't be doing these fucking four hour long recording sessions anymore. <laughs> too late, brother. It's too late. Understood, understood. But still, let's go ahead and let's talk about the. No, it actually. Let's go ahead because it's time to talk about the Bellator 237 
Bellator and Ryzen Japan main event. And this is in the heavyweight division. And this is a fight between two Pride FC legends. The former Pride middleweight champ, well, not really, but the former UFC light heavyweight champion of the world, Quentin Rampage Jackson, versus the longtime former Pride FC heavyweight champion of the world, the last emperor, Fedor Emelianenko. First of all, the particulars for these two titans. Quentin Rampage Jackson, six feet, one inch tall, 254 and a quarter pounds, with a 73-inch reach. Born Quentin Ramon Jackson, yes, we're using his government name, on June the 20th, 1976, in Memphis, Tennessee, he fights out of Irvine, California, in the Wolf Slayer Academy. When it comes down to his Pride FC accomplishments, he fought Kazushi Sakuraba in his first Pride FC experience. No way, actually. Let me go ahead and go to Wikipedia. This typology shit's really not all that up to par. Hold on, excuse me. But still... He's 6 feet 1, 254 pounds, with a 73-inch reach. He's 2-0 and oh with one knockout. Bless <laughs> you. Thanks. But he's 2-0. and oh. He's 2-0 and oh with one knockout in kickboxing. In MMA, he is 38-13, and 13, 14 decisions. And 20 big-ass wins by way of KO. He's the 2003 Pride Middleweight Grand Prix runner-up. He's the former UFC light heavyweight champion of the world. He was a three-time Wrestling Observer Newsletter Award winner. 2004 Fight of the Year against Ronda Lady Ice Murder for Silver. 2007 Most Outstanding Fighter of the Year and 2008 Fighter of the Year against Forrest Griffin. He unified the Pride FC Middleweight and UFC Light Heavyweight Championships in his win over Chuck Liddell. <laughs> oh, and uh, not to mention, in his... No, wait, actually, let me go ahead and... Take a look back. He fought in his belt. He fought his Pride FC debut, getting submitted by Kazushi Sakuraba. Since then, well, since that particular fight, let's see, two and one, actually two and two. I'm sorry, doing research on the fly, y'all. I hate doing this. Two and two, five and two. Seven and three, then let's see, nine, ten. Ah, shit. He went 12 and five in the Pride FC ring, obviously, with key victories over Marillo Ninja, who uh, powerbombing the shit out of Ricardo Arona, kneeing Manoa Man. 
beaten the shit out of Chuck Liddell, not once, but twice, obviously, in the UFC, beating former UFC middleweight champion Marilla Bustamante, knocking out Kevin Randleman, and may he rest in peace. And then obviously going to the UFC and then having a monster run despite losses to Ryan Bader in Japan, which this will mark his most recent time fighting in Japan since the Ryan Bader bout over seven years ago. But he left the UFC with consecutive losses to Global Teixeira, Ryan Bader, and John Bones Jones. Since coming into Bellator, aside from that one-off in the UFC with Fabio Maldonado, he's been pretty much all almost dominant because he's had a 5-2 and two record inside the Bellator cage with wins over Joey Beltran, Christian Mpumbu, King Mo, and the Rhino Satoshi Ishii in another boring-ass decision. And most recently, knocked out Ronda Lady X, Murderer Silva at Bellator 206 last September, but also lost to King Mo and Chael Sonnen. <laughs> Anyways, his opponent really needs no introduction the world over, but uh, I already bored y'all enough with the Rampage intro, so fuck it. Might as well get over with it. Fedor Fedor Vladimirovich Emelianenko, born September 28, 1976, in Rubinze, Ukraine. Now resides in Storyovsko, Belgorod, Russia. Six feet tall, 236 pounds, the greatest mixed martial arts heavyweight of all time. Represents the Red Devil Sports Club in Camp Alexander Nevsky. He was taught by Volkan and Andre Kopilov. He is a first-degree grandmaster in Sambo and the international master of sports in Judo. He holds a career MMA record of 38 wins, 6 losses, and 1 no contest. 15 of those 38 wins via submission, 14 via knockout. <clears throat> and obviously, he is one of the most decorated grapplers of all time. He was a Bellator heavyweight Grand Prix finalist. Lost, obviously, to Ryan Darth Vader. He was the Pride FC heavyweight champion who defended that belt three times in the promotion. He was a former Fighting Network Rings openweight champion in the 2001 Absolute Class and openweight title tournament winner. And, of course, in that ill-fated stint known as Affliction MMA, he was the Wamba heavyweight champion who defended the belt successfully twice against Tim Sylvia and Andre Arlovsky, both in devastating finishes, if you remember. And he got so many damn accomplishments from so many damn bodies of work in professional combat sports that it's too hard to even tell which is which. So I'm going to just go ahead and drop down to his current record. He fought in Ryzen beforehand, 
fighting on the second rising card, knocking out J.D. Park Singh in his comeback, which, oh, by the way, since losing to Dan Hendo, since losing three back-to-back-to-back fights inside the Strike Force cage, going one and three overall, losing to Fabricio Verdum, Antonio Bigfoot Silva, and Dan Hendo Henderson after beating Brett the Grim Rogers in the Strike Force Heavyweight Grand Prix, Theodore has gone seven and two since then. Including taking a break off just to, you know, channel his instincts, so to speak. But this will be the former Pride Heavyweight Champion's first fight since January. January 26th, more specifically. And obviously, when it comes to his Pride FC career, he is un- he was undefeated inside the Pride FC ring with wins over Keith Herring. Hey, Christian, yeah, Christian, Christian, yeah. Christian, if you're able, blow your nose, because that's going to be excruciating for anyone listening, if anyone's still listening by the time I they get this. I know, it's kind of, I mean, I can't hide the fact that I'm fucking nasally, come on. But no, still. just blow your nose instead of snorting your nose, because it's making me feel a bit ill. <laughs> if you can, if you don't mind. Sorry, understood, 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 but still, he's a legend in Pride FC... Going undefeated in the promotion with big wins over Shimmy Shill, Heath Aaron, Big Nog, Kazuyuki Fujita, Gary Goodrich, Mark the Hammer Coleman, Kevin the Monster Randleman. A win pretty much in the prod. Well, actually, defeating Big Nog not once but twice after, well, pretty much ending the Chicken Man, now Yogawa. And then finishing off Siyoshi TK Kosaka avenging that one no contest. Uh, I'm sorry, it's hard for me to even get excited about talking about Fedor without mentioning all his Pride FC wins. I know. But still, mm-hmm. but still 66% of the Tapology faithful are saying that Quentin Rampage Jackson is going to lose this fight. And even though I would say I ain't got no dog in this fight, but I think it's going to be a three-round war, and I can't wait to see it. But I think that Fedor Emelianenko is going to win that fight. I really do, because it's one last hurrah for the last emperor. And even though I respect the hell out of Rampage for all that he's done, he's just too crazy to deal with. And no matter... I mean, this fight could have taken place 10 years ago, and it still would have been a proven fact of Rampage losing. Because, obviously, Fedor was the better fighter then. He is the better fighter now. So I won't be surprised if Fedor gets the win and probably be a submission this one. Oh, interesting. Yeah, T, what do you guys think? What do you think? I love this fight and um, Rampage his fight with, with Silva was fantastic that was the first minute and a half was boring and then they just then it was just fireworks and just everything I wanted it to be and uh, I feel like this fight stylistically I mean they're just gonna bang I don't see either of them going for a takedown 
Uh, I don't, uh, or if they do, they'll be so hurt already that it wouldn't happen. I don't see like a Fedor armbar from the bottom or something. I really see someone's going to land some ginormous punches and somebody's going down. Rampage has a good chin, but Fedor has like Rampage isn't as nimble as Chell. Like when Chell ate that first uppercut, he went flying. You know what I mean? He was like, just off the side. Rampage doesn't move that fast. He's not like like that quick to get out the way or to like go with it, roll with it. I feel like Fedor is actually going to put him out. I don't. I don't even think it's going to get past the first round. But if it does, I think the longer the fight goes, the more dangerous Fedor is because he throws in combination and uh, is a little bit faster. They both hit hard, but Fedor's a little bit faster. Even at this point, you know he's still very fast hands on him. Uh, Mir found that out. Um, he, he, and, he, and he fucked Mira up with broken rhythm. It wasn't like he was like ding 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 ding. He was like he was like he sort of fainted the right and hit him with a slap, and then it was like right left, right left, and that second left. It was like a broken rhythm and uh, took Mira right out of there. And I do think the heavy hands of Fedor is going to raise his arm in victory. And um, but whoever wins, I'm so happy they put this together. I'm so grateful to Bellator for making this happen. That's my main underlying emotion. So if Fedor loses, it doesn't bother me to see him lose. Um, it only bothers me to see people disrespect him, but it doesn't bother. I don't care. Win or lose, I mean, when was his last boring fight? Like, Monson, if you don't like people being thrown around and leg broken with the kicks and the knocking him down a bunch of times, I mean, it's been a long time. The last, like, really drab fight, what, like Arona or uh, Babalu or some shit? It's he pretty much is Mr. Excitement. He's not fucking around. And um, same with Rampage. Rampage isn't willingly going to have a boring fight because he, he's always very open. That's the main thing he wants to deliver for his fans. And from what I've seen, when he complains, it's when it's a boring fight. Not because he lost. It's because it was boring. So I think they're going to deliver for the fans, and this is the highlight of my whole year, easily. What about Fedor's chin? Well, I, I think it's fair to say that, that Fedor's chin. Fedor's chin has not been the same. Since that Dan Henderson fight, do you think Fedor? Do you think that Fedor is gonna be? Um, I mean, yeah. Do you think he's gonna have the disadvantage in the chin, uh, the chin column? I don't know if his. I don't know if his chin is any. I mean, obviously, as people get older, their chin is is gonna go a little bit. But I don't think it's like bad the way people say, because he um. He's been hit really hard. He might. He's easier to hit flush than he used to be. Okay. But he's he got wobbled before. He's been hurt. He's been bloodied before. Lindlin fucked his eye up, although he wasn't wobbled. Um, Fujita, he was still wobbling after that fight, you know? Krokop wobbled him, had him on the, the rubber legs for a moment there in their fight, right at his peak, at the absolute peak of his powers. So, I mean, I don't know how much worse his chin is, but he's he's not as fast, so he's easier. That little move he does where it's, it's like sort of half rock back, half slip, doesn't work as well when you're, when you're a little bit older and a little bit slower, so... Um, I think that's the main difference in him. He's just a little bit slower, but he's still one of the fastest heavyweights. And Because uh, if he wasn't, Sonnen wouldn't have been slower with his hands. Sonnen doesn't have power, but he's, like, he's fast. He's fast compared to heavyweights, you know what I mean? And But on the feet, it was Sonnen was like, holy shit, no. That first combo, I couldn't believe he lived through that. Lot, much respect to Chael Sonnen for living through that combo. Most guys would not have gotten up. They would have been like, fuck my life. And, and gotten pounded out. He got right back up like a boss. So, you know, also, I've cheered against Chell for years, but uh, no, I gotta get, I gotta hand it to him. He has a lot. What's the fun. timetable 
for when after the result of this fight, people say it was a fix. How much time do you give it? Oh, this, I mean, the same night. I mean, the, not just the Zuffa Zombie, like the PR trolls, they're always there, but the, a lot of fans are just looking for reasons to shit on something. But I, you know, I block, I've blocked so many troll and, and shill accounts on Twitter. I only find out what the talking points are, the spam talking points on Reddit. So, like, I only found out, like, with, uh, um, what was it, Haim Gozali with his, no, not Haim, what's the seniors? Yeah, Haim Gozali, his submission win, and, you know, he retired. I only found out there was spam about a, fi- a fixed fight because Jack Slack, his dumbass, was on Reddit basically implying it but not wanting to outright say it, probably on advice of, like, Zofa lawyers or just, like, knowing how to, like, walk the line. He, every time I post something on Fader, he's trolling me about that shit. I didn't know that was a thing on Twitter. I had to ask my friends who don't block everyone on Twitter, and they were like, oh, yeah. So I've successfully purged my Twitter of shill accounts and, and dumbass trolls who just always being an idiot, edgy idiots. And uh, So it's going to happen. It's going to happen whatever. They were saying that the Floyd exhibition with tension was fixed. Like Floyd, they, ne- like they need to fix the Japanese star to lose to a guy five weight classes above him in boxing, in his boxing debut. Like, what the fuck are we even doing here? It's just lazy. It's lazy, decade-old tricks, PR tricks, and and then just trolls who just enjoy being edgy. I don't worry about it, because those dumbasses exist. The UFC has a budget to make sure those kind of stupid comments litter the internet. Nothing we can do. Well, you know, until was... maybe they're exposed one day. Maybe one of the shills will like bust them or leak some files, well, get some real juice on like who they hire to do this stuff. I mean, a little bit's come out. It, but, uh, it... I don't worry about that stuff because idiots are just idiots. I just get rid of the idiots. I'm still trying to find all the cool fans. I'll never find them all, but I can definitely try and block every idiot I find. Well, a question, Chief. This is supposed to be Fido's last fight in Japan, but it's not his last fight as a Bellator. Is that correct? Yeah, so they're going to do like a retirement tour. Just like because Scott Coker is awesome, he's going to do the Fedor retirement tour. So maybe maybe it's three fights. I don't know how many fights he's going to have. Maybe they'll see how he feels. But one of them will be in Russia. Maybe if he decides to retire, that'll be his last fight. Because he came back for his team, not just himself. So his team are verging on title shots. Nemkov's number one contender. Tokov's a top two contender. I don't think you can put Salter over Tokov. So it's it's Musasi and Tokov. Musasi just lost, but then he bounced back, snapping the cheetah streak, which was a, a light heavyweight. So I mean, or, or partly a light heavyweight. So that gives him some credit. But yeah, so I mean, Tokov's top three in their division, and uh, Moldavsky's maybe top seven-ish, top eight. I mean, I think he's eight and one, but he, he needs more because they do have some badasses at heavyweight. Guys like Fortune who are coming up without a loss on the record, you know, as well as, and Maori, as well as the established guys, Minikoff, and to some degree, Karatanov, although he just got schooled. But Fasel at heavyweight looks really good. Anyway, I'm just I'm just rambling. I'm so excited this fight is happening. Dream come true. And uh, you pick Fedor to win? Yeah, I favored. I was cheering Fedor against Bader, but I picked Bader to win. I, I was leaning Bader. He's just he's too good, and he, he's he's younger, and he's put it all together. That like penetrating step that Bader used to wrestle with. Now that's his jab step, and his overhand is like lead left step, and it's fucking killing guys. Congo has got a good chin, man. He got wobbled like three times by that lead left. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I'm picking Fedor to win, but not a strong pick. But I'm cheering with every ounce of my heart. Gotcha. Well, you know, yeah. 
I gotta go with Fedor as well. Not just on nostalgia feeling, but you know, I don't know why this fight never happened in Pride. It would have been amazing to see it back in the Pride heyday. Um, in at some well, level. We know, I'm sorry to cut you off, but yeah. we kind of know. I mean, Rampage never wanted to fight Fedor. Oh, I know they're friends. They're friends and all that stuff. And they both mentioned that in uh and they're uh, when they've announced this fight that they're both friends and they both respect each other. But it's just right. it's one of those big what if fights like Fedor versus Alistair Overeem, Fedor versus Bob Sapp. Oh fuck! Don't even It just would have been or you know even Sakuraba versus Fedor. It's one of those fights that you know what I would have you know imagine what would have happened if it did happen, what the outcome would be. But regards not uh regards that you know I think this is gonna be a. I think we're gonna hopefully see a Fedor knockout. You know, I hope he's I hope he's not as brazen as you know to let his chin out. I know that he's kind of still fights like he like he did, you know, ten fifteen years ago. I hope he doesn't fight like that, especially Rampage, who still got power, knocked out Wanda Silva when they just fought again uh, this year. Um, Good fight. Hey, everybody! Anyone who's still hanging on, listening to the end of this marathon, it's on YouTube. The Fedor Juan fight is on. It, it's on there free. As is Fedor and uh, excuse me, Fedor and Sonnen. Watch those fights. Those are fun fights. I can't even tell you how many times I've seen the Sonnen fight. This is on the zone all the time, so I just I can just slip it on real quick. Quick three or four minutes of fun. That's it. He's good. Yeah, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, Fedor can get that last win, that one win in Japan, go on his retirement tour, fight. You know, mid-level heavyweight fighters, and you know, retire, retire, good, retire on a win, and then basically just corner Vadim the Nemkov brothers every time they fight. <laughs> um, with that said, though, I just want to get you. That it's been fun talking with you, T. We're sorry for dragging you out on this fucking marathon of a call. No, it's worth it though. This is a this is an intense fight. I only wish. We, maybe we'll have time if you guys want to do a Bellator Hawaii preview. I know it's not really just Well, you know. I mean, come to think of it, if you want, we can do a review of it like two weeks after the card concludes. Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. Quickly, though, for both of you. Basically, because when it comes down to this, I mean, I got to ask you your 2020 fight resolutions as far as Bellator goes and as far as this whole Bellator Japan thing goes, if it's a success or if it's an epic flop, which I hope not. But still, man, it's been fun talking with you. We can't wait to talk with you again. Hopefully it'll be a lot, you know, less lengthier in time. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and uh, by the way, and just to clarify, how can the fans get in contact with you on Twitter and Reddit? So on Twitter, it's at Teep to the Junk, uh, T-E-E-P, Teep to the Junk, and on Reddit, there's a dash on either side of Teep to the Junk. Come come at me, bro. The, The join in with the trolls, or come in and fight for what's right, like the legacy of the great Fedor. Do what you want to do. I just hope every, I just hope everyone enjoys what they watch. Whether it's even if they only watch UFC, because at this point I almost exclusively watch Bellator and Rising when I'm watching MMA, and then classic stuff. I'm not really. I just want everyone to enjoy it. 
and uh, hopefully they all get a thick skin. Cause I've been on forums long enough. My, like no one's gonna be like, I'm gonna spoil your fun. It's like, what? You know, it's got nothing to do with that. It's just passing time in between fights, and it's almost time. And uh, these three Bellator cards and the Ryzen cards, it's like a dream. What a way to finish the year, the decade. Right, right, of course. And with that being said, Andrew, do you want to give your plugs out? Ah, yes. So if you want to follow me on my personal account where I talk about pro wrestling and get into fights with people who don't know about pro wrestling and try to <laughs> and try to say that New Japan should have women's uh, matches on their cards, you can follow me at abenjo1 on Twitter. Um, and uh, if you want to follow the We Are Rising podcast on Twitter, you can follow us at We Are Rising Pod, where we talk about all things JMMA, uh, J Kick, occasional boxing, occasional UFC, but that's where if you want to go for all of your Ryzen news and all that stuff, uh, that's that's the place to go to. We at We Are Ryzen Pod. Christian, you want to give your, a shout-out to your uh, account and Focus Fights? Yes, you can follow me on Twitter at ChrisGary92. I follow a... I mean, I basically follow a lot of crazy shit, whether it's wrestling, sports based out of Houston, Texas, a lot of 18-plus stuff that nobody should be caring about anyways because it's not suitable for work, or just a lot of other things that you probably... Wouldn't want to see coming out of a weirdo like me. <laughs> but still, focus fights come prospects from all over the fight world, the scenes of all of the continents of the world, with the exception of Antarctica, will be inside. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Focus Fights. You can check out our YouTube channel, which is Stop Fresh with your favorite fight interviews that I had the opportunity to record over the last few months. It's on YouTube. You can search for Focus Fights through there. And we also have Fight Playlist as well. And Teep, I was wondering when it comes down to the website, are we ever going to get that shit done? Yeah, so is, is the site up? No. No, unfortunately it's not. But I'm working, I mean, I'm not really working, working on trying to get a certain provider to work with a, you know, certain thing with a press at the end. But, you know, stay tuned. We're trying to get everything set up with the website. You know, hopefully when we all get this thing together and back up, the website will be running and we will bring you some great content. As well, um, Christian, uh, how can people watch Bellator 237, um, both the main card and the postlims? Oh, oh, of course. One more thing about the Bellator 237 Bellator fan card. You can check out the event live on the Paramount Network on cable and satellite and the zone throughout the world. Mostly in the U.S., possibly in Brazil, 10 Eastern, 7 Pacific, December 28th, Saturday night, prime time. It's going to stretch out all the way until the sun comes up on December 29th. And unfortunately, we still don't know 
We still don't have any official confirmation as of this particular time. December 15th is when we're recording this. Of how people can see the post-war fight card. But do not be surprised if it ends up being live on the Bellator app. You can download the Bellator app for your favorite device of choice, be it iOS or Android. And you can follow Bellator MMA on social media at Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram at Bellator MMA. But that is it for us for now. We thank you for joining us on this fantastic five-hour-long voyage of combat sports goodness. We are glad you are a part of the Fight Nation, and we are even thankful that you're listening to us on the We Are Rising podcast network, even though we're not really a network, but still, bear with us. It's been a long time. But still, thank you for enjoying us as the late, great Robert Baseman Washington, a Houston radio pioneer, once said, love and hate can never be friends. So just love each other or take your problems to the ring. And like the great Lenny Hart always says, because the next time we do one of these previews is going to be on to Horizon 20. And you better believe we're all going to be screaming and wanting more after that fight part concludes. But until then, as the great Lenny Hart always says... And just like that... We out this mud. Later. Take care. And by the way, happy holidays, everyone. Ah. Finito.